We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And we're on. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I got Ken back with me today. He played hooky last week and left me to go. <laughs> Oh, he was supposed to go to, to uh, uh, Gasparilla, and he bugged out at the last minute and stayed home. So. That's exactly what happened, exactly. So there you go. And but I had you a, had fun, right? I had a very enjoyable stay all by myself at the house because the wife and her sister went off to Gasparilla. Yeah, did you hear they shot down that uh, that balloon off, off the coast of Carolina? Why are the Chinese so upset about that? Well, because that thing costs a lot of money I'm, I'm guessing they probably had some real high-tech cameras uh, on that thing oh i see all right they're, but they're saying it's a weather balloon so why would they care all that much well because it's only in about 45 feet of water so they'll, they'll <laughs> get that camera and see what see their technology you know which they probably stole from us anyway so but uh the the Republicans are raising Kane because the Democrats are in Biden White House didn't act faster to shoot it down. And I guess the excuse was that uh, the debris field might hit somebody on their little head. But I don't think those things are made out of much, are they? I mean, they're they're some kind of fabric. So, well, I guess whatever it's towing is is, is as big as a, a school bus or something like that. Well, the, yeah, the balloon itself is as big as a school bus. But the, if you look at the little thing underneath, it looks like a little pea. It's got to be something very small, like a camera or some kind of. A- well, what I don't understand is they first picked it up in like Montana. You were going to shoot it up down in Montana. You might hit a buffalo, but that's about it. Well, you know, they picked it up actually in Austra- in uh, Alaska, over the Aleutians. Well, that's the place to shoot it down. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, I mean, actually, if you shoot it down in Montana, it'd probably be easier to find than if you, you know, spray it all over the Alaskan wilderness, but. I guess you can find anything these days if you have the right uh, surveillance equipment, which I'm sure our military does. I'm not but, sure about the whole process. I'm not sure why they went and had and did this because their satellites are up there. have got to get better pictures than what a balloon could get. Well, if there's cloud cover, it might be difficult. But uh, you, we use, on our cameras, we use infrared so we can see through the cloud cover. Uh, but I don't know if the Chinese, have, have they discovered infrared light yet? <laughs> <laughs> I think they. I think they may have a couple of them. Yeah. Well, well now, why are they sending one to Latin America? There's one going across the south, uh, South America as well. Uh, you know, I guess they're looking for uh, uh, rhesus monkeys or coconut trees down there. I'm not <laughs> quite sure what, but crocodiles, who knows? Alligators. I don't know why they're doing that. They're probably just testing them out to see how how much they would add to their arsenal. You know, balloons have been around and in, in use as uh, spy weapons for, what, 150 years? The Civil War, I think, was one of the first uses of it, at least on this continent. Um, and so what they would do is they had a stationary balloon, and they'd send a guy up in it, and he'd be looking at the other side with his binoculars yelling down to them, you know, hey, they're coming on the left, they're coming on the right, or 
here comes fire. And so then the gunners, the uh, artillery men would try to shoot the balloons down. That must have been very exciting to be up there in a balloon and see see these 10-pound shells go. (laughs) (laughs) Terribly exciting, Doc. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you probably had to find somebody that really uh, either was real thrill seeking or was really stupid. <laughs> now that kind of thing is a uh, you know carnival ride. You see those uh, some carnivals once in a while go up in a balloon, tethered balloon. Oh yeah, you can do that now. And we were in uh New Mexico. We were at uh up there skiing in the mountains and we went down near uh Albuquerque and they had their international annual balloon race, which was pretty it's not really a race. It's, you know, a bunch of balloons. So it's about 30, 40 balloons that went up. It was it was neat to see. Um, and I think one of them, you, you know that commercial where the dog's hanging on to the toe line of the balloon? Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was up there. At any rate. I've never gone up in a balloon. I like to do that sometimes. I, uh, I'm a little bit leery. Now, I've, I've had some friends who took the balloon trip across the Serengeti. And they said it was just wonderful that you, you could float right over all these animals and see them without them noticing you. Um, but but I, I maybe I would do that. I don't that, know. Would be, that would be a vacation of a lifetime, yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty neat. And then I had another friend, and he did the safari, and they actually uh, would drive them across the uh, Serengeti, and they'd have their tent already set up, which was more like a house. and. Uh, servants and food and grilling and all that. That sounds pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't been to uh, Africa. Maybe that's uh, something I should put on my my bucket list. I don't. I'm, I'm a little leery of going to Sub-Saharan Africa. I might get AIDS or something. I'm a. I'm, I don't know what's down there. A lot of bugs and insects and tsetse flies and things like that. Well, then I think I'll stay here, Doc. That's okay. Now the, the uh, Super Saharan Africa, you know. Uh, Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco. That, that'd be fun to see, especially Morocco. That's a very friendly country. You know, we defeated uh, the uh, the North African states back in the uh, in the uh, Barbary pirate wars. We were being looted by our ships. This was during uh, uh, Jefferson's term. Jefferson, what he did the first thing when he came in is he decommissioned a bunch of navy ships. Adams had built up a pretty good sized navy, and then Jefferson decided, eh. We don't want that. We don't want a big Navy. We want to spend money on something else. And uh, then he turned around and declared war on the Barbary pirates because they were pirating our uh, commercial ships. They had been for decades. And initially, uh, the uh, Continental Congress had sent uh, Franklin and Adams and whoever else was over there as a representative for our nascent country to uh, talk to the Turkish ambassador who apparently had connections with the pirates. And he said, well, yeah, for one or $2 million, I think I can get them to stop. And they said, hell with that. We'll build our own Navy with $2 million. <laughs> so they went over there and they actually won the war. Uh, it, w- it was interesting to see how they did it, though. Initially, they went in and they they went into the harbor of the city, wherever it was, Tripoli or wherever. And, you know, they demanded that their sailors be released and that their goods be compensated for that they had stolen. And the Arabs were like, yeah, right. And so then the British came in because one of their ships had been uh, targeted a week or two before. And they just went in and they started shelling. And uh, the Americans are outside the harbor watching this. And they're going, damn, look at that. They're not even talking. <laughs> 
<laughs> they just started shelling. And so then the uh, th this is really cool. So then one of the uh, one of the Arab guys comes running out on the dock, waving a white flag, and runs back in. And the uh, you know the deck officer says, Captain, should we cease fire? He says, No, nah, they're not serious yet. So he hit him a couple more times. They'd run out with the white flag. And, and then the third time he said, okay, I think they're serious now. And they got all their goods and all their men back. And then they took off. And so the Americans said, ah, that's how you do it. You got to shoot. I see. We, yeah, shoot first and ask questions later. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, where were we? We were talking about. We were talking about the Chinese. Oh, the Chinese. Oh, yeah, the uh, weather balloon. How do we get on to this? I have no idea how we segued there, but we did. <laughs> we did. So oh, we started talking about African balloons, ah, and then we got right. up to North Africa, and then we got to the Barbary War. And so, you know, the, the, the fight song, the uh, Marines fight song from yeah. the Hall of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli? That's Tripoli. That's it. it that's, that's North Africa. That's where we fought the Barbary Barbary War, the pirates back in the early 1800s. So, what I love about this show, it's so educational. There you go. Okay. Now, um, speaking of uh, Africa, this month is Black History Month, and apparently there was a school up in New York that uh, uh, was politically incorrect because for the first day at lunch at the school, they served fried chicken and watermelon and, and waffles. And this was very offensive to many of the black parents in the in the uh, community there, and they raised all kinds of holy hell in the school. I guess apologized, and the food vendor apologized. And I'm thinking, damn, that sounds like a good southern meal to me. What are they complaining about? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I grew up on that. I've I, had many picnics. Uh, you know, I I grew up in the South. I, I can't remember the first time I had fried chicken and watermelon. I mean, watermelon was like a staple during the summer and fall. It was just, it was part of life, and you couldn't go to a cookout or a party without having some watermelon there. So, but apparently that's offensive to some people. Uh, it's interesting to see what has become offensive over the years. And everything's uh, offensive now, Doc. What's politically correct and incorrect? It it, it just it's an an amazing world that we're living in now, my friend. And I told you about the uh, the guy I talked to from uh, Zanzibar. Black African guys, you know, spoke Swahili and all that. His English was excellent, and a very educated guy. He was an Uber driver. We were grabbing a ride with him, and he said, we don't understand why uh, black Americans call themselves African Americans. They're not African. <laughs> I'm an African. <laughs> he said, wherever you go in the world, if you're an American, doesn't matter what color you are. You're an American. That's it. So at any rate. Now, well, I don't consider myself a German-American. I'm just an American. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a mutt. Yeah, exactly. So am I. Dad was a Eastern European Jew. Mom was a Polish Catholic. And, you know, so I've got Slovakian blood and Jewish blood and God knows what else. And, I mean, let's face it, the Jewish blood is basically, uh, you know, Arab Semitic blood, just a tribe that some tribes that decided that they didn't want to be part of everybody else and, that's that's how we got so stuck up, by the way. <laughs> we think we're better than everybody. And we may be. I don't know. You know, we're God's chosen people. But I think a lot of people feel that way, don't you? Well, I'm part German and part Poland, and every 30 years I have to invade myself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's very painful, let me tell you. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's hard. It's hard on the old bod. It is. 
So I understand your blood pressure dropped over the weekend. Well, yeah, it's all alone. <laughs> <laughs> you were you the wife left you. Your pressure went down. <laughs> Me and the dog, yeah, you know, petting a dog is good for your blood pressure, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, they say dogs will lower your blood pressure that they're good for you. That's true. Wonder why? It's odd. So uh, I guess Tyree Nichols, he was uh, put to rest this past week, and. Uh, the family got a second autopsy, and they said that he bled to death. I'm not quite sure what that means. I, I'm guessing that he had either had a ruptured liver or spleen, and that that uh, dropped his blood pressure, and he went into shock and died. Uh, but uh, that was pretty bad, the way yep. they were that poor boy around. I'm, I'm telling you. Or man. Well, they're, they're taking care of it. They're doing something about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those guys are going to go to prison for a decade or two. And they're not going to be treated well, I would imagine. No, and I mean, I don't even know what the guy actually did other than than argue with them and say, you know, I didn't do anything, and then they started getting rough with him. I think they wanted him to get out of the car, and he wouldn't get out until they told him what he had done wrong. From what I've seen about that, they've, uh, they didn't really have anybody in charge at the scene, so to speak, and he was getting multiple directions from multiple officers and trying to obey everybody, but, but not obeying some, and they were getting angry, so it was not well... Um, designed to stop. No, it was not a well-coordinated arrest, and uh, it's always it's always good when when uh, five or six cops come up to your car with SWAT uniforms and outfits and and uh, flak jackets and all that to just say yes, sir, and do whatever they tell you to do. And if they say get out and put on put your hands on the ground, lie down, just do it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. You, you can always argue in court later. That's but, that's right. But if you're dead the argument's over. And these guys, you know, they don't know what's going to happen in the next second. No. And, you know, come on, they're cops. So, I mean, there's, I'm sure the intelligence level of the average cop has gone up over the decades, just like uh, most of society. But still, I mean, I I remember being in uh, traffic court one night and uh, the judge was, I think I was in medical school then, and the and the judge, you know, I'm walking, standing in line. I go up there, and he said, uh, Bill, what do you do? I said, I'm a medical student. He said, what happened? I said, well, I don't think that, you know, I explained the situation. I said, I don't think the cop was right. And he said, Bill, they're cops. <laughs> <laughs> he said, they're not the brightest people on the block. Whoa. <laughs> Just to me, you know, quietly over his uh, bench, <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And he said, I'm going to let you go this time, but be cool. <laughs> So I thought, damn, our cops were supposed to be smart and good people. Well, I find the majority of them are. Yeah, I think most are. But, you know, there's bad apples in, in every uh, every profession. We got a few bad apples in, in medicine. And, and it's an emotional situation when you're dealing with people at, at that uh, at that uh, that close up and personal level. You know, it's it's like, uh, hmm, am I going to get attacked or? What's going on here? You know, am I going to have uh, 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 an easy stop, or is this guy going to pull a gun and start shooting at me? I think it's fairly rare to get shot at on a traffic stop, but this seems to be something that the police are really obsessing about. Actually, the number of police that have died over the centuries since we started keeping records in the 1790s, it's only about 35, 40,000 total. So it's, it's not the most dangerous profession, by the way. What is the most dangerous profession? Uh, in terms of mortality, it's probably uh, uh, commercial fishing or logging, commercial logging. Uh, it's a smaller, that's a smaller fraternity 
And uh, so any death would uh, really be amplified in, in terms of percentage. Of course, absolute numbers, I'm sure the police are, are, are more affected, but they're percentage-wise, they're not, uh, they're, they're really not, they're, I don't even think they're in the top 10 of dangerous professions in terms of, of uh, life-threatening situations. Well, I've worked about, you know, news, I've been, before I came down here, I did news for about 30 years, and uh, I got to tell you that every cop I ever met was smarter than any criminal I ever met. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I asked one of the cops, I said, what's, what's the, you know, what's the hallmark of these criminals that you guys take care of? He said, they're all so stupid. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they make it simple. And then one of my friends who was a psychologist, and he worked in the, uh, in the jail, the state uh, penitentiary near Atlanta, uh, when I lived there, I said, what's it like in there? He said, angry, lots of anger, lots of anger, a lot of, they're abused kids, you know? Mm, yeah. But yeah. what do you do? I mean, you can't just uh, let them run around on the street. Don't want that anger out there. That's for sure. No, because, you know, we, we have to, we have to defend ourselves. I mean, that's, that's a societal uh, uh, demand. And that's, that's what our government's supposed to do is defend us. Yeah, but the last year you've been talking about mental health and how we're kind of need some yeah, help in that exactly. area in this country. Yeah, you know that guy uh, Chun Li Zhao, Chow, Chow, whatever his last name is, out in uh, Half Moon Bay near uh, Redwood City, out in California. You remember a couple of weeks ago, he killed five or six people at a nightclub. Right. And uh, so his excuse was that he had been basically living as a slave on a farm. I don't know how he got out and got a gun, but. <laughs> I didn't know we let slaves buy guns, but apparently he uh, he saw himself as that, and then he said, "I think I'm mentally ill too." I think so, buddy. Yeah, really? Yeah. He uh, he was originally from China. He'd been here for eleven or twelve years. Had a green card and was able to go out and buy a gun. But you know, if he wasn't on the radar, if he didn't have any any prior uh, arrest or hospitalizations or anything, who would know? And uh, he probably could hide it fairly well. And then he had a psychotic break and decided that society was the problem. And uh, so he went after some Asian uh, people in a in a nightclub. I guess it was an Asian nightclub. And I guess he got six or seven of them, huh? Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate it has to get to this point before anything can get done. Yeah. And, and part of that is that in our society, under our legal system, you're innocent until proven guilty. So... And you'll hear that all the time that uh, we would have stepped in earlier, but we couldn't. We don't. We don't have any probable cause. And uh, what do you do? I mean, when you have that kind of a situation, uh, it, it, it's it's tough to to look back and say, well, yeah, we ought to, ought to, should have, could have, but that doesn't necessarily uh, work out with the legal system. They have to follow the law. I can't, I can't tell you the number of stories that I've done reported on where the, the police went to a home. Uh, eight o'clock at night, and the next morning they were back because somebody it was a murder suicide. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't do anything. No, you can't. No do law had been broken. Yeah, well, you know the the uh, the uh, domestic abuse laws have gotten tougher in a lot of states, and now the police in Florida and in a number of other states, uh, it's mandatory that they arrest the person that is accused of uh, being the abuser and take them out of the house, whether the uh, partner wants them to or not. Once they, once they put in that complaint, you know, then it's it's a, a mandatory arrest. And I guess you know that that uh, young woman that was killed by her boyfriend, and then he he shot himself in, in one of the state parks here. Yes. Two later, 
apparently, the, I think were they were they in Idaho or Utah? Wyoming or something? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, out there. Wyoming somewhere. And that state actually has the same law. And the police, uh, the young cops, they didn't know it. They didn't. They didn't realize it. And so they they thought they had calmed the situation down and let him go. They made her sleep in the car in their van, and he got a motel room. Wait a minute, that's upside <laughs> down. <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, no kidding. But I'm sure that those cops will feel guilty forever because that that was a, a really sad situation, and it could have been prevented just by uh, following the, the the laws that are in that state, which say that if there's a domestic uh, uh, feud and abuse situation, that you have to arrest the person that uh, is supposedly the the instigator perpetrator. It's, it's, 20, it's a mandatory 24-hour cool-down kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that uh, even if they had decided it was her, if they had taken her out of the situation, it might have made him stop and think before he did anything more impulsive. Yeah. Which but, apparently he did. Yeah, and he had to be, that was a strangulation, I believe, so you got to be pretty angry to do that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously got anger issues, and uh, I think he had been abusive before. And, you know, these these most almost all of these people are are products of abusive and neglectful homes, and uh, so that, that's a mess. That's a mess. Again and again, I say we have to get in there early when the kids are pre-K, uh, when they first come into into pre-K, uh, to screen them, especially the boys, and see which ones are high on the antisocial sociopath scale, and get in those homes and uh, and implement some kind of intervention and long-term uh, oversight so that you don't have these kids coming out uh, horribly abused and neglected. And if they have some predisposition to, um, to psychopathy and you add that little bit of uh, abuse and neglect, you can really create some monsters like Ted Bundy and, and Charlie Manson. And it's, it's really a it's really kind of a sad situation, not only for the victims, but also for these these guys that have been so horribly abused as children. Cheaper, you think, to uh, catch this at a younger age? Oh, yeah, yeah. much cheaper. Oh, well, yeah. certainly from the from life-saving standpoint, yes. Well, think about how much it costs to, uh, if you incarcerate somebody in their 20s and, and keep them to their 70s, that's what, 50 years? And then let's say uh, they're they're demented at that point and you release them to somewhere like a, a nursing home that specializes in that. Then you got 50 years of care. What's that going to cost over the decades? Because you got to keep up the facility. You got to feed them. There's health care. There's clothing. You got to keep them entertained. So you have to have jobs for them to do. And uh, you got to have cops or prison guards there. And I mean, it, it's, you know, probably $10 million. $15 million to keep one of these people alive for 50 years. It's a lot more than if they were free living in society. Uh, I, I just, I'm. What do you say? I, what do you say? Get the kids young. You're talking about like grade school, pre, pre kindergarten. No, yeah. Pre kindergarten, pre K, you know, mm-hmm. where they said uh, uh, you could even train daycare workers, although that would be a little tougher, but, uh, I'm sure that a lot of the of the older and experienced daycare workers can look at a two or three year old toddler and say something's not right here. You know, this kid is uh, is destroying everything and and sitting in a corner by himself all the time, kind of thing. And yeah, things like that. So I think that that's the way to do it. But I haven't had a whole lot of response yet from the uh, from the uh, higher ups. Well, let's go talk to Joe. Let's talk to Joe. Let's get Joe on the phone. He's too busy worrying about the balloons. 
you know, he did you hear that they have taken another, I don't know, 50, 100,000 acres of, of federal land that is some of the richest cobalt reserves in the world and said, no, you can't, uh, you can't mine this. We'll buy cobalt from China or Chile or somebody else. Thinking, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, cobalt is integral to all of the electronic cars and, and the, uh, uh, the uh, you know, the uh, offshore uh, uh, wind mills and all that. It's, it's very vital to all those industries. And we have trace minerals like lithium and uh, magnesium and big reserves, and, and we can't dig it up. So we're buying it from other countries. I, I don't know, Ken. Something's, what's wrong with this picture? I mean, we used to be able to strip mine coal, and then as long as you reclaim the land, uh, it was okay. So the coal companies had to come in and replant and uh, put in a little lakes and all that, and actually made some nice areas. But, uh, I don't know, but we better stop this. We better stop this real quick, or we're going to be in some serious trouble. All the Chinese have to do is say, nope, no more. Tough. going to be in deep doo-doo, and the Chinese are there all upset after we pop their little balloon, and they warn of reprisals and a response. And I, you know, what are they going to do, stop selling us lithium? They might. They might, yeah. They you might. just can't open up a mine tomorrow. I mean, it takes a long time. Yeah. They might say, go get your own. Yeah. Um uh, I, it, it, there's something inherently upside down about all this. But that that is that is part of the defense of the U.S. to have the minerals that we need at our disposal when we need them. That is not a that's not negotiable in my opinion. No, it's not. We want and them. They're there. We're going to go get them. We have natural resources. Let's use them. Let's figure out a way how to restore the environment if we do damage it in our efforts to get things that we need. But a lot of mines, I mean, you know, you, you don't even know they're there because a lot of it's done underground or in a in a big pit. Exactly. Yeah, there, there's, way to, there's ways to do it. But you got to get rid of some of the regulation. You just can't keep these things going on forever. Some of the, the, the process takes years. It does. Nas- you got national regulations, local regulations, county regulations, you know. Then there's the lawsuits from the environmentalists. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's why they start like these uh, interstate highway projects like the, our Suncoast Parkway, which uh, here in Florida goes up from uh, Tampa. It's now up to uh, Citrus County. And so it traverses uh, Hillsborough, uh, Pasco, uh, Fernando, and now it's up into Citrus. And it's going to hook back up with, I think, 441 or 442. And then they're going to bring a leg back over to I-75. So they're going to bring a leg over east to I-75, and I was talking to, we went to a meeting about it up in up in Citrus uh, a few years back, and because we had property up there, and we wanted to see where they were going to do the next leg, and so we were talking to the lady that was from the state that was leading the, the discussion and all that, and she pulled us aside, and she said, well, this has been planned for decades. We've been buying up the land and getting ready for these lawsuits. And she said that this is, uh, but it's all, it's already, you know, it's already in the, in the bag. And I can't tell you exactly where it's going to go, but uh, so it's fascinating to see that. I mean, they may not be that dumb, Ken, (laughs) at least the department of transportation. (laughs) Hey doc, look at the time. Oh my God. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes. It's been very, very interesting show so far. So let's see who's been paying attention. Shall we with a question? I think we should have a question. Joe asked a really stupid one last week. Nobody could answer it. 
Well, we'll see if we can do better today. All right. We've got two. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. For the first person to correctly answer this question, what continent would both Doc and I like to explore a little bit someday? We were talking about at the very beginning of the show. If you, you know go. the oh, excuse me? I said, there you go. If you know the answer, give us a call, 877-969-8600. First correct answer at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. We'll get to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. Ain't that right, Doc? Hey, Ken, can I call in and get one? <laughs> You're Sorry. <laughs> Just go out to the front office and put take them off the desk there. Okay, I'll do that. I'll be right back. <laughs> Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The first drug to show that it slows Alzheimer's is on sale, but treatment for most patients is still several months away. Experts say skimpy coverage for the drug and a long setup time needed by health systems are two main factors behind the slow debut. The FDA approved Lakembi from a Japanese drug maker in early January. It's approved for patients with mild or early cases of dementia tied to Alzheimer's. Union members have voted down a contract proposal covering tens of thousands of Walt Disney World service workers saying it didn't go far enough. The contract covers 45,000 service workers at Disney World. They're back to the bargaining table now. And Tesla is raising prices on its Model Y in the U.S., apparently due to rising demand and changes in government rules that make more versions of the car eligible for tax credits. This is SRN News. The answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading the Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multi Multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. 
Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket costs a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi. 727-577-2220. 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour. Only on AM860, The Answer. Today with variable cloudiness with showers and a high 79. Tonight a passing evening shower, otherwise mostly cloudy with a low 63. Tomorrow plenty of sunshine with a high 79. Tomorrow night clear skies and a low 59. On Tuesday mostly sunny with a high 82. Wednesday mostly sunny with a high 83. That's your Accurate with the Forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM 860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. I got Ken with me. We're doing a radio show. By the way, I'm at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. We have in-office visits. We have uh, 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 telemedicine. Uh, you can call me up in the middle of the night, and I'll yell and scream, but I'll do what you have. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a, a Canadian guy, French-Canadian, so I got out my little Google Translator, and we were going back and forth talking. Interesting, you know, I've talked about heart failure before, and this guy came in, and he was just classic. Uh, he had had two weeks of increasing uh, fatigue, uh, shortness of breath with activity, uh, shortness of breath when he laid down, and uh, weight gain of about 15 or 20 pounds. He was a big guy to begin with, and uh, his heart was racing, and he was obviously in in some distress, and we worked him up, and by God, he was in pretty bad heart failure. His ejection fraction was way down, uh, but we, uh, we tuned him up outpatient, and uh, he's headed back to Canada. I'm going to make the travel insurance company fly him home because I don't want him to drive because if he has some sort of a, an event on the way home, that, that's not good. So uh, what we did is, Ken, is we diuresed him. We gave him medicine, making pee off some of this fluid and started him on uh, a drug called Entresto, which is two, two drugs. Uh, it's a, an ARB and, and Secubitrol. So uh, they, Valsartan and Secubitrol, what they do is they lower your blood pressure. Uh, they make your kidneys uh, work better and diurese. Uh, it's got a heart tonic kind of effect to it, too. And we also put him on some Lenox and Digoxin, which is an old-time drug uh, from the Foxglove plant, and that helps the heart to squeeze a little bit better. And then we put him on a low dose of a beta blocker, which is a, a type of blood pressure and heart medicine that can slow your heart down a little bit. And uh, if you use one of the ones like Carvedilol, that actually helps dilate the blood vessels in the periphery. And the, then that acts as like a reservoir to decrease some of the fluid coming back to the heart and give it a, a little rest. But what happens with, with heart failure is you lose the ability to adequately meet the demands of the body. You know, the, the body needs blood because it's got uh, oxygen and sugar and nutrients and all that. And so uh, for whatever reason, but all four heart chambers were enlarged. And we call that a four-chamber dilated cardiomyopathy. And, uh, you have to 
you have to really uh, do some investigation to figure it out. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's just an inherited phenomena that shows up at certain points in life. Um, but uh, we got him better, and he was so grateful. And uh, that reminds me, I got a copy of studies onto a thumb drive for him. Dang. That means I have to go to the office. <laughs> was he an elderly gentleman? No, he was, uh, you know, I would say in his uh, late 50s, mid 50s. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't sound to be in good shape with that. Like early that age. Yeah, I, I don't know if he'd had long standing high blood pressure. It didn't look like it on the ultrasound of the heart. His heart wasn't that thickened, but uh, certainly uh, over time, if you have uh, long standing high blood pressure and heart failure from that, the heart muscle can start to thin out as, as, uh, as the ventricle uh, expands. And it, it's. Uh, it's a tough, uh, tough disease, and you got to feel bad for him. The the, the uh, mortality rate is is pretty high if it goes untreated or inadequately treated. We used to say that for every uh, episode, recurring episode of heart failure you had, you uh, cut another five years off of your life, or that you actually, if you had it three or more times, you only had a five-year uh, survival rate. We do we do a lot better now because we have a lot better drugs and, and diagnostics, and we can even uh, if if it seems adequate and appropriate, we can even put a pacemaker in both the right and left pumping chambers and synchronize them a little better, and you get some more oomph with that. Hopefully, it's just a virus, and it'll he'll he'll get better over time. And uh, but we packed his little well, I shouldn't say little. He was about six four and about two seventy. Six three and two seventy. He was a big guy. Yeah. Back, back home, and uh, they were staying somewhere up north of us. It took him an hour to get down here. I guess he he has a uh, an RV that they drive down from. Uh, I forget if it was Montreal or Quebec City, but they come all the way down. That's a long haul, buddy boy. It is, but he, are they both going back, or is, is she driving <laughs> the RV, or what's going on? We're, we got him a first-class ticket from the insurance company will pay for it, the travel insurance. And then she's going to stay down here, and one of his friends is flying down, and her and his friend are going to drive the uh, RV back home. Mm, good. Okay. Tough situation. I mean, you know, you go on vacation, and you end up with a heart that's working at about 25%, which is severe, severely reduced. Well, at least he found you. That's good. Yeah, I don't know how he found me, but uh, he came wandering in, and they come from all over. I had one guy come in this week, and he said, finally, I meet the famous Dr. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? That's he just said, word of mouth, Doc. He said, you're a legend in Canada. I said, I hope it's good and not bad. But <laughs> So at any rate, he said, uh, can I get this and this and this? I said, yeah, but you know, if you're going to self-pay, it's going to be so much. He says, I don't worry about money. I said, why not? He said, I started my own pharmaceutical company and I sold it. <laughs> I said, do you want a son? Do you want to adopt me? <laughs> but nice guy and uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun meeting people from all over the world. The Canadians are, are pretty much good people. They're very nice. Uh, they're they're well-mannered and uh, uh, differential and all those kinds of things. I never you, met a Canadian I didn't like. Yeah, but you know, you know why they can be like that. You know why they can be so nice and laid back and everything's okay. Considering their weather, I'm not sure why is that. Because they've got their big brother on their southern and western border. They've got mom on their eastern border, and 
Well, they used to have the polar ice cap. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of screwed there. <laughs> yeah, that's going away. Mm-hmm. And they got us for protection. So, but every fight we're in, they're right there with us. They are. I'll give them that. They were there on you know D Day on the beaches. So they were in uh, Korea, Vietnam, uh, Afghanistan. Um, you know, they they go everywhere with us. It's an opportunity to train your 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 junior officers and, and get your guys some experience. So they like that, but they don't have a very big military these days. What is their population up there? You it's know? about a tenth of ours, so they're probably uh, uh, mid thirty million. Mm, okay. Um, they're they're growing because of uh, immigration, of course, and uh, but they're. Their native, when I say native, I mean the Scotch, English, French population that initially settled there. Uh, they are pretty much at a zero population growth now, like like most of the uh, modernized, industrialized nations. And that's not a good thing. No, that's not good. And uh, we got to have somebody to add to that Social Security pot. <laughs> exactly. I'm about to start taking Social Security, so can we have a few babies out there, please? Yeah, somebody please get pregnant. Yeah, we need some future taxpayers. But not on my watch. And uh, everybody getting the, uh, joining the show late, I guess, today, Doc. We did not get a correct answer. We must not be very popular anymore. No, I don't think it's that. We, we They got close. One woman, one woman thought we wanted to take a, a balloon ride together, which is kind of what we were talking about at the same time. But we were talking about we'd like to go see Africa at some point. Yeah, we'd like to go see Africa. So nobody you're, gets the mugs. You're going south. I'm going to. I would like to see the Great Rift Valley, though. That would be pretty cool. That would be. That would be neat. That's a big fault uh, line in the eastern part of, of Africa. Uh, and it, it's got all kinds of natural beauty and uh, populations of animals that you're not going to see anywhere else on Earth because they've been semi-isolated over the eons. But that's pretty neat. You see something similar in Iceland? I was in Iceland and had one foot on the um, the European tectonic plate and one foot on the North American tectonic plate. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and if you look down the valley, you just see this crack opening up wider and wider and wider as it gets towards you. So, pretty cool. Did you know that Greenland is actually part of North America? Is it on the plate? Really? Yeah. Okay, well, then it is. Side of the line. And uh, I guess it separated uh, eons ago. Probably got mad at the at the uh, at the uh, people up in Newfoundland, the Newfies, and said mm-hmm. we don't want you anymore. And they, but uh, it's it's uh, I think it's the largest island on Earth, isn't it? Yeah, probably. I can't think of one larger. It's a big piece of property, dude. Yeah, and it's not very green. <laughs> no, it's not very green, but it, it's getting there because it's melting now. Oh, that's going to make it smaller. Well, I think Greenland is a, is basically a big rock covered with, okay. with, with snow and ice, but I don't know. I haven't been there, but I'd like to go. I'd like to see it. It'd be interesting before it all melts. I'd go to Antarctica before it all melts. Yeah, yeah. That's what my wife wants to do. She wants to go down to Antarctica and, and you know, walk in the penguin poop, which... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, it's like a rite of passage if you're a traveler. you got to go down and get off and walk in their poop. Okay, I didn't know about that part. Yeah, yeah. But you can get a cruise from like Argentina or someplace, and they'll take you down there. 
you, I think you can probably get one from up here now that that's, uh, you know, but that's going to be a, a three or four week, five week cruise because you're going to have to go down the the uh, east coast of South America and then all the way down into Antarctica and then probably come back up the west coast and over into western United States. But I think there's, I think I saw that, but I'm, I'm not sure. But that somewhere you'd have to break, uh, you'd have to transfer some sort of icebreaker, I imagine. Now I had some friends that did that twenty years ago, and they actually went on a Russian ship that was, uh, I guess it was a former military ship that one of the Russian uh, magnates, one of the oligarchs bought and turned into uh, a cruise ship specifically designed to go to uh, Antarctica. Maybe it was an icebreaker. I don't know. Oh, I think it'd have to be to make sure you can get to the shoreline. Yeah. And and, uh, and then walk in the poop, you know. The, the, that's that's the thing that I heard the most about was <laughs> <laughs> trudging in the in the penguin poop. Yeah, I wouldn't trust myself on a cruise from, uh, say, California down there. I, I desperately would want to stop at Tahiti and just hang out there for a while. Yeah, there you go. That sounds like a nice place to visit, too. Yeah. And then out of the cold. Uh, I hear it's beautiful. So you remember George Santos, you know, this this guy that was elected on, on the Republican ticket up in New York State as a as a junior, you know, first-term representative? Yes, I remember him. He's still with us, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's still with us. He's uh, The Ethics Committee's looking at him. The FBI's looking at him for uh, fraud and irregularities, and uh, I guess he has violated some campaign financing or whatever rules. And uh, so now we've got a former staffer who accused him of sexual harassment. Apparently, old George is on the uh, other side of the fence from you and me, my friend. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, he he put the moves on one of his staffers when they were opening the mail on his couch in his office. <laughs> and it's the same guy dressed in drag, right? I guess. Yeah. And I guess the uh, I guess the staffer took great umbrance at that, and so he's filing uh, uh, sexual harassment charges for violating. Uh, the rules and violating pay rules too, because George said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll hire you on as staff. And then when he got there, he said, Oh, well, I don't have any money yet. So, so you can just be a volunteer for now. And you can't do that. According to the house rules, you cannot do that. You have to pay your staffers. Of course, you know, you yeah, pay sure. they're going to work for you. So well, I don't think he's going to be there that long. No, he'll be out soon. He's a, he's a no good Nick. Yeah. But I think even the even the Republicans agree with that. Oh, from yeah, almost hundred percent from what I've heard. I haven't heard many really defending him at all. So you think Tyree Nichols' family is going to get a lot of money out of this? Oh, oh man, yeah, it's going to be big. Speaking of the weather, did you hear the wind chill factor up on Mount Washington up in the, uh, I don't know if that's up in Maine or Vermont or where that, that's the highest peak in, I guess, in the, in the, uh, area up there. And they had like 130 mile an hour winds and a chill factor of 120 below zero. <laughs> now, I don't know who went up there to figure that out, how they were doing up there, but I guess they have a weather station up there and, uh. They showed some video clips from it. The wind is, I mean, it's a hurricane force wind. It's its pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. 120 below. With a 130 mile an hour wind. A little colder in Chicago. Well, I don't know about that. You know, we might have had 
had some days in Chicago. Not at 120 below. It felt like maybe you think so. That that was that was the wind chill, right? That wasn't that. What was the actual temperature? Um, you know, I forget. Let me see if I can find it here. Had to be about 40 below, maybe 50 below. Oh yeah, I think it was 40 below. I think that was it. Yeah, to get that kind of wind chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a place to build a summer home, you know. Uh, well, I mean, summer might be okay, but winter, I don't think so. I don't think places like that have much of a summer at all. That's start. probably true because you're up in the mountains. Yeah, you're way up. Uh, you're summer, up high. It, yeah. it gets about freezing for a few weeks, and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll stay here then. So uh, I was reading an article in, in uh, I forget what magazine it was, about uh, the Somalian family who moved over here. The father moved them over to the United States eight or ten years ago, 12 years ago. And so the son is growing up in the U.S. culture, and he, of course, falls into all the bad things like video games and smoking dope and doing all kinds of stupid things, cutting school. And so the father moves the whole family back to Somalia. And uh, and so he thought, well, maybe the kid will, will straighten up because it's a, you know, it's a very rigid society. And you're actually you can be arrested for if your parents turn you in for for misbehaving. You can be arrested for being, a you know, like a delinquent kid. And uh, so I guess he gave the kid a chance and the kid just didn't straighten up. He fell back into his old ways and found some homies there in Somalia. And they actually locked this kid up. <laughs> they put him in not just the county jail. I mean, they put him in the federal penitentiary for six months. And, uh, and then he came out and he escaped back to the United States uh, after after that experience. And his father has come over here and tried to help him out. Uh, I guess he's fallen pretty deep into the drug culture. And uh, I don't know what his dad's going to do, take him home and lock him up again. Well, if six months in a prison, then change his mind, his attitude. Yeah, to, you just for talking back to your parents. I mean, you cannot talk back to your parents in that culture. Hmm. Well, you can, but there's repercussions. Oh, so, no, not a bad system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My son would have been locked up a long time ago. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling I would have been locked up a long time ago. Yeah, me too. I probably would have been in prison for decades. Yeah, I had quite a mouth when I was there younger guy yep so what are we going to do about this poor tyree i guess we're going to have to just follow this along and uh let justice take its course let justice take its course and meanwhile back in india they're expecting more fights with china just as we're ramping up and expecting more you know they share a border up there in the himalayas and i guess china keeps thinking hmm we want more i don't know i guess they caught that from the russians we want more frozen tundra or frozen <laughs> mountains and they're going to take it. I don't know what, what do you, what's up there anyway, abominable snowman and yeah, sheep or something. I don't know what's going on up there. But... Goats and sheep. I mean, you go up there and man, there's nothing up there. It's just barren. Well, India's about to take over, overtake China in population. Are they not? I think they, yeah, I think they probably have now. They're probably, if not close, uh, if, uh, they're, they're growing like crazy. And the Chinese have been at a zero growth for, a few decades now, and the the Indians are they're still making babies. You know, the, especially the uh, the Muslim population, which is growing much faster than the Hindu population. The Hindus are are adopting more of the Western uh, society's uh, uh, mores and values of just having two kids and no more. And in fact, if you go to a, if you're an Indian, you go to a 
you know, you're middle class, upper middle class, and you go to a party and your wife is pregnant with the third kid, your friends will get after you. They'll come right and tell you, know, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Really? Okay. Yeah. Right. Believe it or not, <laughs> that's a fact, Jack. Okay, so here's a question for you. In a war between the U.S. and the China, where does India fall? Do they just stay neutral? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think they can. Uh, I think they'll be pulled into it at some point, uh, although you don't know because there's a lot of uh, sentiment in India that, at least with the older generation, that was a little bit anti-American because we sided with the Pakistanis uh, during the uh, conflicts they had in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And the reason we did that was because the Russians were siding with the Indians. And so we were trying to counterbalance Russia's influence on the world. And, and one of my friends who grew up there, he said, oh, yeah, we used to get magazines from Russia touting what a wonderful life it was there in the Soviet Union. And they had all kinds of uh, information and support from, from Russia. And now Russia's economy is maybe a tenth the size of India's. I think India is now the sixth largest economy in the world. And it is a nuclear power. It is a nuclear power, and they've got a pretty big arsenal. They've got the largest, uh, other than the uh, the United States and China, I think they have the, or, or one of the largest, maybe fourth or fifth largest navies in the world. They've got the largest army in the world. It's bigger than China's. And uh, Maybe China doesn't want to mess with India then. You don't know what the Chinese are thinking. I mean, it, it's hard to really to read them. It's like trying to read my wife. You know, the Oriental mind is a little different in the way it, it works and the uh, the uh, the logical steps that they take to get to the end point of what they what they want to do and what their end goals are. But um, she's become more Americanized over the decades. That's for sure. But you can still tell there's a there's a real difference there, and uh, it's a different way of looking at life. Confucius, Confucius had a big influence on, on the uh, on the Han people, the Chinese and the Koreans and the Southern Siberians and the Japanese, and and then that spilled over somewhat into the subcontinent because those folks would go down and interbreed with the uh, uh, Aboriginal people that had made their way there. Well, the Chinese are known for making plans for far just off in the future and in sticking to it. So I don't know. They must have some grand plan they're looking at. Well, but the world has changed, too. Remember that, uh, you know, the future can be minutes away with weapons yeah. that we have now, and, and communication is instantaneous. So they can make all the plans they want, but uh, technology may overwhelm them. They're trying to keep up, though. They, their, their Navy is becoming scarily big, actually. But yeah, they don't. They don't have the aircraft carriers that we've got. No, it's a big navy, but it's a lot of little ships. So you, you you've got a whole different situation there. Uh, you know we're 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 talking about uh, quantity versus quality, and uh, we may have a smaller navy, but we have much more tonnage and much more assets. That's true. There, there's this, this basically to defend the South China Sea. Yeah, they 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 think they own that, and that's not just the communists. That goes back two thousand years. They've been claiming that that's theirs, and of course, uh, Japan and the Philippines and all the countries around there have been saying, "No, it's not, and we're not taking this from you." And, yeah, well, we're trying to keep up two you know ocean navies, so it's it's not really the same scale at all. 
I think we have a whole fleet over there, don't we, in the South China Sea, just to remind them that uh, they don't own it. But if, if they took it, they, they could lock up those shipping lanes, and I think about a half of the world's shipping traffic comes, uh, commercial traffic comes through there, uh, comes through the Straits of Malay and into the South China Sea. Doc, we got about, uh, let's see here, 25 seconds left. You want to give the phone number and the address of the office in case somebody needs a doctor? 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. We're in St. Pete at 639 938th Avenue North, across from St. Pete General. Had a lot of fun today, Ken. Thanks for being home, buddy. Thank you, sir. It's a great show. Have a good time. See you next week. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Ken Care Clinic.